Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week in our study of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we'll be giving our attention to chapter 5. To find studies on other books of the Bible, you can search our entire sermon library at thevillagechapel.com resources. Our hope is that these studies will equip us to think more biblically in all categories of life. Now, here's Pastor Jim. Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotion, walking our way through the book of Ephesians. Find ourselves right in the middle of chapter five with some really practical instruction and some wise warnings from the Apostle Paul. Listen up as I read verses 15 through 21 today. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And verse 21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I'll come back to verse 21 again in our next episode. But for now, let's just take a little bit of a look at some of what Paul has said here. I love the uh, metaphor that uh, Paul uses for the, the living out of the spiritual life. He uses the metaphor walk. This is the seventh and final time that he will use it in the letter to the Ephesians. And by walk, again, he's talking about how we live out our life in Christ. And this time, the context is a wise warning for us. We are to be careful. We're to be on the alert. We're to remain awake, watchful, uh, because potential missteps are everywhere and plentiful. And sometimes they can be catastrophic catastrophic and devastating to us in our spiritual lives. So verse 15, that wise warning is really important for us. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Verse 16, making the most of your time because the days are evil. I like the phrase, making the most of your time. Um, some of your English translations might say redeeming the time or purchasing the time or um, the idea I really think is to be effective with your time in spite of the context of the encroaching and increasing darkness and evil that are all around us. And if that was true, of course, in the first century when the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, how much more so might we look at our world and say it's darker and increasingly more evil as well. Um, That's a wise warning for us. Um, We each have the same amount of time in every day. As a matter of fact, 84, I think it's 86,000, 86,400 seconds in a day, 31.54 million seconds in a year. And if you happen to be 30 years of age, you've lived 946.2 million seconds. You can check that with Siri and Alexa if you want, but I'm telling you the truth. Paul wants us to live 
aware of the gift of time that God has given us, that we would learn to use each moment, each second, if you will, intentionally for the things that really matter. Hmm. Uh, Jonathan Edwards uh, had a, a collection of resolutions and in one of them, and it's a, a short little published work of Jonathan Edwards, says, resolved never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. I, I like that resolution. I think that's a really good one. I think that's about living intentionally. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter um, what circumstances or conditions you may be living in or under or whatever, uh, the um, the fact is every single one of us has the second we're living in right now and we have the opportunity to do whatever the next right thing is, the next best thing. And here in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, be careful how you use the time that you have, how you walk out the Christian faith. In his commentary on Ephesians, uh, Dr. Klein Snodgrass points out that the Apostle Paul offers three of these uh, do not, dot, 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 but, and so it's sort of a do nots and, and over here do's. And I like these. He says, uh, do not walk as unwise, but as wise, verse 15. Uh, verse 17, uh, don't be foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. And that's a great contrast, isn't it? Um, do not be drunk in verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with alcohol to the point where you're just deluded and wandering around like a, a crazy man, but be filled with the Spirit. He also points out, Snodgrass does, uh, in his uh, commentary, that Paul uses five participles describing not the requirements for what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit, but rather the results of being filled with God's Spirit. You see, being filled with the Spirit is not a title, um, it's a condition. I hear some people sometimes say, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Well, um, depends on what moment of time you're talking about. Uh, the, the fact is, we need to be being filled with the Spirit. And that's really, if you took the original language and the tenses of the verbs that the Apostle Paul uses here, it's that ongoing work the Holy Spirit is filling us in a continual uh, way. And it looks like, as uh, Snodgrass points out, it looks like these five things, speaking, singing, making melody, giving thanks, verse 20, submitting to each other in the fear of Christ, verse 21. And let me just go back and touch on each one of those a little bit. Speaking to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I like it that he says speaking and then goes on to tell us the vehicle for that speaking will be psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which we usually are singing. So he goes, yes, that can include singing as well. In verse 19, he says, and likely those psalms or those hymns or those spiritual songs could have been spoken antiphonally. That is, one group says part A and another group says part B. We've done that often here at the Village Chapel in our with our calls to worship, for instance. Uh, sometimes we'll have one side of the 
the church gathering will, will speak a part and then the other side will respond to that part. And you may do that in the church that you go to as well. And I think it's quite effective a way for us all to actually engage with whatever text it is, if it's a creed or a psalm or a hymn or a spiritual song, as the Apostle Paul says here. And singing can be done that way as well. I love the emphasis on singing in the Bible. Singing is, uh, as the Gettys, uh, Keith and Kristen Getty in their book point out, we were created for singing. Yeah. And we're compelled to. Why? Because we've got a song in our hearts that was planted there by the Lord himself, the Holy Spirit taking up residence in my heart, overflowing me as I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I can do no less than sing his praises. Um, I can do no less than sing to remind each other. We, we together, as we gather for corporate worship, remind one another of the things that are so true and so important for us. Making melody is listed here as well. Um, that certainly has to involve creativity and skill. And we see that all the way back in the Old Testament, as well as here in the New Testament. And of course, here in Nashville, it's quite easy for me to say, oh, you know, look, let's get the best musicians we can because we actually have the, some of the best musicians in the world available to us in our city. Um, but whatever city you're in, whatever church you're in, no matter how large or small, use the gifts that have been entrusted to you. Whatever they might be, it might be just a single person that plays guitar, it might be somebody that just plays piano a little bit or whatever it might be. Use that and use it creatively and skillfully to make melody. And I like it that he says, uh, he adds a little more to that by saying, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Um, let's not uh, diminish that term with your heart to the Lord. Because for us in our day and time, a lot of us might think that that just means sing with gusto, sing uh, loudly or passionately or play loudly or passionately as if it's just about emotion or volume. But you see, for the Old Testament and the New Testament writers and for the people that lived during those times, the heart was much more than that. It's actually the central control system of the human person. And so what he's saying when he says making melody with your heart to the Lord is he's saying when you sing it or when you say it, you gotta mean it. And sometimes that's hard for us, I know. A lot of us have been singing some of these songs for a long, long time. Some of the old hymns, uh, even some of the newer songs. Sometimes you go to a church and they just sing the same chorus over and over and over and over again. Not just 10 times, but 20 times before they stop in a, in a service. And I have been in church services, you have too, I'm sure many of you, where you kind of go, ah, and you know, the, the musical worship sometimes bothers you. I'm grateful to say I, I don't feel that way in our church now at all. As a matter of fact, I love uh, what's going on with our church in terms of the way they sing. They, they, but it hasn't always been that way. When we started out early on, there were just a handful of us, and it used to be difficult to get people to sing. And part of that was we just needed to learn how to do that together. And we also needed to be reminded that that's, that's a fruit of being filled with the Spirit as a group who are worshiping the Lord together. And that's why verse 19 becomes so important. Verse 19 that says, or verse 20 rather, that says, always giving thanks. See, that's really the backdrop to a heart that overflows and a mind that overflows with joy, with gratitude, always giving thanks. And I think joy follows gratitude. 
I don't think it's the other way around. It's not, Lord, make me joyful, and then I'll be grateful. I think the Lord is saying to us, you be grateful and watch how it makes you joyful. And I think that really is true. So verse 20, really important, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. What a great verse, verse 20 is. It's the proper disposition of heart befitting recipients of God's grace, giving thanks. That fifth participle, um, we've got speaking, singing, making melody, giving thanks. The fifth one is submitting to each other in fear of Christ. And that is a, you know, that's interesting because that's the only time I know of in the New Testament where it says in the fear of Christ. It'll say in the fear of the Lord. You hear the fear of the Lord as a phrase or uh, often throughout scripture, all the way back into the Old Testament as well. But here to say, as we submit to Christ, our King, the King we've always wanted, the King we've always needed. As we do that together, then we learn the freedom of mutual submission. It's the general tone, isn't it, of each and every member of the church. We submit to Christ first and foremost and remind ourselves all the time that Jesus is first preeminence of Christ is really important. And that way we learn mutual respect for one another. I love the contrast that we've had here, the contrast between the foolishness and those who understand what the will of the Lord is. Um, Maybe you've gone through a period of time where you've been curious about what is God's will for my life? And maybe ask that question. Oftentimes, I think for moderns and postmoderns, we're usually thinking about really big decisions like you know, who, what school I should go to, what college I should go to, whether, whether I should take this job or that job, whether I should marry this person or that person. We often are thinking in terms of those big kind of events when the will of God for us is so uh, clearly revealed throughout Scripture as regards our heart, our affections. So the will of God for us is not some kind of secret knowledge we need to, you know, sort of uh, divine or to roll one of those uh, you know, magic eight balls around and see what the answer comes. Look for a fortune cookie. That's not at all what we're to be looking for when we look for the will, to understand the will of God. It's, it's not ambiguous. Ambiguous. It's not um, uh, amorphous. It's not, and it's not relative to the whims or ambitions of any one of us on any particular day or to the cultural and moral novelties of our time. Um, that's why we study through books of the Bible here at the Village Chapel, so that we can understand God and his will, um, that we can learn how God sees things and begin to see things the way God sees things, so that we can also think about the human person. What does it mean to be a human? According to God, the one that created us, created us and designed us, it means this, and then the scripture tells us. So we keep going back to the scriptures so that we don't walk in the darkness of foolishness, but we actually walk in the light of God's word, God's wisdom, and God's ways. Um, verse 18, and some of you might have thought about this uh, a little bit. Well, what's what's this about? Don't get drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. And I think we have to be realistic and honest about the negative impact of alcoholism on human life and relationships. Listen, drunkenness is clearly a sin in both the Old and New Testaments. Not all consumption 
of alcohol is. And that's why I think this is an area that requires great discernment, a sensitivity even to the Holy Spirit. And I would challenge each and every one of us to do that, to be prayerful about that. Um, John Stott says in, in his commentary on Ephesians, people who are drunk give way to wild, dissolute, and uncontrolled actions. They behave like animals, indeed worse than animals. The result of being filled with the Spirit are completely different. If excessive alcohol dehumanizes us, turning a human being into a beast, the fullness of the Spirit makes us more human, for He makes us more like Christ. I love the way John Stott said that, and it indeed leads me to give thanks for all things, um, including uh, you know, the great things, the wonderful things that are going on in your life and my life right now. We should rejoice. We should, we should be singing. That, that section there in verse 19 that talks about singing to one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Some of those songs are songs of great praise, as well as some of the songs are of lament, honest lament. As a matter of fact, when we look at the Psalter in our Bibles, the hymn book of the Bible, if you will, about 30%, maybe a little bit more than 30% of those are lament, uh, where the psalmists the, the ancient songwriters are lamenting the way the world is broken or the way that they're struggling with their own proclivities towards sin or temptation. Um, there's a lot of lament uh, as they cry out to God for help and for mercy. They're very honest about what's going on in the world. And I love the book of Psalms for that. Matter of fact, I'm looking forward, we're gonna do a whole week in the Psalms coming up soon here on Timeless Truth. And I hope you'll uh, join us for that. But always giving thanks. That's another huge part of the Psalter is um, Psalms of Thanksgiving. And here we're encouraged to do that as well in verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 5. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. I love the way the Apostle Paul makes this letter so Trinitarian. We've got, we've got the Spirit mentioned here in verse 18. Um, we've got the the Son and the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned here toward the end of the, the passage we've just studied, verse 20. And the Father is mentioned there as well. So here again, Ephesians, completely Trinitarian. And I love that about Ephesians reminding us, God our Father, uh, who designed, he's the architect of salvation, uh, God the Son who accomplished our salvation, and God the Holy Spirit who applies salvation to each and every one of us, who also comes and fills us anew each and every day, puts that song in our hearts, and the perfect response from recipients of God's grace, the perfect response from us is to lift up holy hands, open hands to the Lord, to praise him, to honor him, to give thanks to him for each and every moment of each and every day. As a matter of fact, let's close out today's devotion with prayer. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Lord, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing to stop for a moment and just consider your faithfulness to us to consider your kindness to us. Uh, and Lord, I, I pray indeed for myself and for my friends today that you'll fill us anew with your Holy Spirit. Mm. And that we might be sent out to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called as we studied in Ephesians chapter four. 
and that we might be careful about the way that we walk as we studied in this passage today. And that each and every moment, all of the seconds of this day, all 86,400 of them, Lord, we might be mindful uh, and watchful for how you might wanna use us to bring honor and glory to Jesus, to serve our neighbor, whomever they may be, whomever you put in our path today. We pray this in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen and amen. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.